morning. Our reading this morning can be found at page 886 of the Church Bibles. Yet Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 to 30. So that's page 886. Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 to 30. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisers, treasurers, judges, magistrates and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisers, treasurers Judges, magistrates and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods, or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, 
We want you to know, Your Majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisers, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, gunners, and royal advisers crowded around them. And they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other god can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Thank you, Mark, for reading. Good morning. Let me lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, uh, that we can know you through it, that you speak to us through it. What a privilege we have. We pray that you would speak to us this morning, um, prevent us from being distracted, and we pray that we would know you better and love you more through what we learn about you in Daniel chapter 3. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. What do you do when you're pressured to conform. What do you do when you're pressured to conform? In Algeria, a group of 11 Christians were recently arrested and sentenced to prison. Their crime? Simply meeting together. In Chiapas, a state in Mexico, 
uh, Protestant Christians are being forced to participate in a syncretic Roman Catholic festival. That means it's a festival that combines pagan practices with uh, Roman Catholicism. And if they don't go to that, they'll be fined. And if they don't pay their fines, their water supply will be cut off. Closer to home here in the UK, a Christian school caretaker who said that Pride Month events were harmful for children found himself on the receiving end of death threats. What do the three scenarios I just shared all have in common? They, they all involve Christians being pressured in one way or another. In Algeria, Christians are, are pressured to convert to Islam. In Mexico, Christians are pressured to, to practice uh, that form of Roman Catholicism. And in the UK, Christians are increasingly pressured to, to accept unbiblical views on things, and particularly today on gender and sexuality. What do you do when you're pressured to, to compromise your biblical beliefs? In this morning's passage, we find a group of three believers, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who experienced tremendous pressure. And they were pressured in particular to, to embrace idolatrous worship in Babylon, their new home. What can we learn from them? I think we can learn how to respond to, to the pressure that we ourselves today face to conform to idolatry. Now, Idolatry in our context is a lot more subtle than in Babylon, isn't it? We're not told to, to bow down to images. It's also more subtle than in places like modern-day Algeria or Mexico. It's unlikely that we're being pressured to, to pray to Allah or to Mother Mary. But our society does have its own idolatrous beliefs, doesn't it? Beliefs that contradict God's word or his ways for us. What should we do when we're pressured to submit to them? Let's look at the example of, of these three exiles, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And let's begin by looking at how they experienced pressure. Our first point is God's exiled people are tested. God's exiled people are tested. Our passage begins with King Nebuchadnezzar making this golden image, which we learn is 60 by 6 cubits. I don't know if you know what a cubit is. I didn't. So that is, it's 90 feet high and 9 feet wide, which makes it quite a tall building, but also a slightly skinny building as well. And the king has gathered all his big shots for the inauguration. You'll see there, it says that the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials are there. But unlike most statues that, that we unveil in our day and age, and in our part of the world, this monument isn't just commemorated on the day it's inaugurated. When we unveil a statue, we'll, we'll, we'll do it by removing a curtain, uh, giving a speech about why the statue is so special, allowing some photos to be taken, and then we'll briefly be interviewed about why the statue is so ugly. And that's normally the end of it. Maybe some people throw eggs or tomatoes at it or graffiti if they don't like it. But that's usually 
it. But it was quite different in in Babylon in the 7th century BC. Have a look with me at verse 4. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and all peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. King Nebuchadnezzar isn't happy with people just, just making a big deal of this image on its inauguration, is he? He wants people to do it regularly. Furthermore, he wants them to, to worship it. Whenever they, they hear the sound of the instruments being played, they are to immediately fall to the ground and worship the image. So if you're busy picking vegetables for dinner and suddenly you hear the music, what are you to do? Drop down and worship the image. If you're taking your dog for a walk and suddenly you hear the music, drop down and worship the image. If you're playing tag with your friends and suddenly you hear the music, drop down and worship the image. Now, this command to to worship uh, this golden image, it's, it's going to be a bit of an issue for the Israelites who want to remain faithful to God, isn't it? They know the Ten Commandments. What do the, the first and second commandments in particular teach? God says, you shall have no other gods besides me. And you shall not make for yourself what? You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything. In the heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Bowing down to to Nebuchadnezzar's golden image, well, that will be a direct violation of God's law. So who will the Jews in Babylon obey? Nebuchadnezzar or God? They can't obey both. Obeying one means disobeying the other. Let's pick up from from verse 8. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. Now notice how they do this uh, in verse 12, as they speak to, to Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 12. There are some Jews whom you have set uh, over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. Uh, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you've set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, 
If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? It's one thing to, to disobey the king's commands at a distance. It's quite another when you're right there in front of him and, it, and he's threatening that he'll burn you alive if you don't do exactly as he says. The testing of their faith has just gone up several notches, hasn't it? A burning, fiery furnace now awaits them. How would you respond in their situation? I think I'd feel like the world was closing in on me. I'd notice my heavy breathing. I'd relentlessly rub my sweaty palms on my clothes. I'd probably hear my heart beating as though it were about to explode. And I think I'd just be dumbstruck by dread. Look at how they respond. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you set up. How do they respond to to the king's threats? They stand firm. He says, bow. They say, no way. It's not going to happen. They don't even wait for the, for, the, for the music to play first so that they can be tested. They're like, we don't, even, we don't even have to wait for the music. It's, King Nebuchadnezzar, we're not going to do it. In verses 1 to 15, we see that God's exiled people are they're tested. And the following verses, we see that they stand firm in faith. God's exiled people are tested, but they trust. They trust God. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're standing firm even though they're about to go into a fire. They trust God no matter the consequences. It's not a, I'll obey God if. I'll, I'll trust God, I'll obey Him regardless. I've been so challenged by this passage. Like, you know, I compare, this to, compare that to how we, t- we tend to handle our faith being tested. We often fail, not because we often fail to stand firm, not because we, we might get thrown into a fire, but sometimes, just because, sometimes, just because we're afraid of what people might think of us. Look at how great their dedication to God is, how great their commitment to Him is. They're just three regular guys. They don't have supernatural powers. Notice how they don't even try to justify their behavior to the king. They say, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves in this matter. They know that no justification is going to appease the king. Nothing they say is going to make them go, okay, that's all right. You guys won't have to bow down. So they don't make excuses. They've just resolved we're going to remain faithful to God no matter what. 
And notice, by the way, they're not being rude to King Nebuchadnezzar, are they? They're still honoring him as, they, they refer to him as your majesty. They're still respectfully honoring him as, as, as the king. But here's the thing, they're only honoring him as the king. They will not honor him as God. You can be king, yes, Nebuchadnezzar, that's your place, but you won't be God in our lives. King Nebuchadnezzar, he provokingly asked them, what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? What do they say in verse 17? The God we serve, he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. In the Old Testament, hand is, is often used as a metaphor for, for power. By saying that God will deliver them from Nebuchadnezzar, from his hand, they're saying that, look, God is God, and Nebuchadnezzar, you're not. God's the one with ultimate power. He's the one who can, who can deliver us from you. His hand is more powerful than yours. And so we serve him. But what if God doesn't rescue them? That's a possibility, right? And maybe it's because they anticipate Nebuchadnezzar asking that very question that they say to him, look, even if he doesn't, we will still not serve your gods or worship your image. Friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego they don't have a, a word of faith type faith. They're not naming and claiming their rescue from the fire. If we just have enough faith, God will, will rescue us from the fire. They're saying, look, we, we have faith in him, we trust in him, but even if he doesn't rescue us, we're not going to do what you want because we love God. We obey him. They know that God is God regardless of whether or not he chooses to deliver them from the furnace. If he, if he delivers them, he's, he's God. If he doesn't deliver them, he's still God. And by the way, so far in the story, it looks like God isn't going to deliver them. Have a look at verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was, was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, uh, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. At this point in the story, it looks like it's, it's game over for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're now in the furnace, which has been set to its highest temperature. It's so hot that the soldiers who drop them off there, they get killed by the fire. This is where you expect the story to end. 
And friends, this is indeed where the story does end for many believers, at least in a sense. I recently read of a pastor in India who, who was killed by a mob of Hindu extremists. And we all know what's happening to Christians in, in northern Nigeria. Even in the Bible, we have ex- examples of stories ending without a miraculous rescue. I think of Stephen, whose martyrdom we read about in Acts chapter 7. But the story we're thinking about today of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this story doesn't end where we're expected to. It doesn't end with their being thrown into the furnace. Look at verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Remarkably, these three men emerged from the flames alive. They were tested, but they trusted God, and he's rescued them. God's exiled people are tested, but they trust God, and they are ultimately rescued. That's our third point. They are ultimately rescued. Now, friends, this rescue is so impressive that the men come out completely, completely unscathed. Have a look at verse 27. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was their hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. If you hadn't known that that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had just come out of a fire, you'd never have known. Have you ever noticed the smell of your clothes after sitting around a bonfire? They have this distinct fiery smell, don't they? And it's hard to get that, that smell out of your clothes, actually. The three young men, they don't even have that smell on their robes. And remember, the three guys who took them there, they got burnt. They died. And these guys don't even have the smell of smoke. What are we learning? We're learning how miraculous and how comprehensive their rescue is. How did it happen? God sent someone into the fire to protect them. And he ensured they were completely safe. That's why, right? That's why Nebuchadnezzar says he sees four men and not three. And he's bowled over by it. Who's that fourth person? Some have said that it is a pre-incarnate Christ. 
And I, I think that is a possibility. But I think more likely it's, it's an angel, which is also what Nebuchadnezzar uh, thinks according to verse 28. Now, I don't think Nebuchadnezzar is necessarily the best guide, but there are several examples in the Bible of where we see God sending an angel to protect his people, to help his people. I think this is just one of those. Now, how does this passage apply to us today? As, I, as I've already shared, and I think this is really, but I think this is really important, uh, these verses don't teach that we will necessarily be safe from threatening or dangerous situations that we may find ourselves in because of our faith in Jesus. These verses are not promising that. Some churches might teach that. We don't believe that here. We, we don't think that's what these verses are, are teaching us. Friends, we may well lose our job for, for sticking to Christ's teaching. That may happen. We may well be, be bullied for seeking to live a godly life. And we may even be killed for following Jesus. These verses are not saying those things won't happen to us. They're not teaching us that we'll be saved from dangerous situations. But here's the thing. These verses do encourage us. They encourage us to keep trusting in Jesus, that it'll be worth it. So will we obey and serve him instead of adopting our society's views? Will we trust in Jesus as we live in our own Babylon? Brothers and sisters, we are in exile. This earth is not our home. It doesn't matter where you live on this planet, it is not your home. It's, it's not. This whole world is a form of Babylon. And while we're living in Babylon... Life will be hard. There'll be many challenges. But here's the thing. God will ultimately rescue us. He will ultimately rescue us if we're trusting in him. Jesus died on the cross to guarantee that. So it's not that we might be rescued. No, we will be rescued. And friends, Let's be honest, the flames that we are safe from, the flames that we are safe from are far more serious than the flames that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were safe from. Jesus, our Savior and Lord, he said, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body where? In hell. Jesus said that. And we don't like to talk about hell. We don't like that word. But Jesus spoke about hell more than anybody. He, he warned people about hell. Was it because he was unloving? No. It's because he's loving. Friends, that is the fire. Hell is, that is the fire that every believer in Christ has been saved from. And that is what we will be rescued from if we keep trusting 
in Jesus. Just as, just as the angel went into the furnace to rescue from the fire the three young men, Jesus went to the cross to rescue from the fire of judgment everyone who would trust in him. I wonder if you're doing that. Are you trusting in Jesus? If you are, praise him for the rescue that he's promising you if you'll keep trusting in him. It's a wonderful rescue. And if you're here this morning and you're not yet trusting in Jesus, may I strongly encourage you to take his, his rescue offer seriously by placing your faith in him. You can be saved from the righteous, the righteous judgment that you deserve for all your sin. All your sin. Every sin that you've committed in your life. And you'd be a fool to think, I don't have any sin. I've never sinned. My sins aren't that big. Yes, they are. Your sins merit judgment. But God offers you salvation. Jesus can save you. I hope you'll consider accepting his salvation if you haven't already. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that Jesus came to earth to die on a cross so that we could be spared from the flames of hell, the place that we deserve to go to for our sin against you and for our sin against other people. Father, thank you so much for, for such a great salvation. Help us to to be thankful to you for the salvation and to keep trusting in Jesus. And if, for those of us who aren't yet doing that, we pray that we would start doing that. And Father, your word says here in verse 29, Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Father, we pray that we would be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that we would stand firm and continue trusting in Jesus, even when the heat's turned up. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.